Independent grind powered by Tech Nine. All right, so joining us right now is we're honored to have him, Fantastic Negrito. How are you today? Man, I'm I'm feeling pretty good, you know, better than some, not as good as others, but hey, I do like my chances and um it's good to be here. How are you, man? <laughs> not bad, not bad. I know you're getting ready uh to go out on tour, you're going to um a bunch of places actually. So where are you where are you headed and like what are you doing to, to get prepared for it? Well, first of all, I'm gonna do on March ninth, I'm gonna uh do local San Jose at the Ritz because I've never played in the city of San Jose so it'll be my first time and then after that I'm heading to Mexico to play Viva Latino and then after that I will go to Brazil Argentina, Uruguay uh, hit up the east coast a little bit then head over to Japan come back from Japan hit the east coast again then hit the Australia and then it's on after that it's all Europe Western Europe, Istanbul, Greece you know, everywhere. So France, you're basically going France. around the whole world. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do every year these days. In the last couple, three years, it's been like that. What's that do for you actually musically? Like, does do you, do you, when you're there, do you check out new music? Do you eat the food? Like, how do you, how does your music benefit from, from being on the road so Well, much? it does greatly. I mean, you, um, the whole, my whole album, the, uh, the second one here that I put out, um, Please Don't Be Dead, all came from being overseas and just interacting with, a lot of Europeans, Australians, like seeing how they view the America. And then mm-hmm. I, I came up with the concept of, of like, oh man, America, hey, please don't be dead yet because the world is really tripped out that you're, you know, acting so unstable these days because I guess they look at us as the stability mm-hmm. in the world. So that's where please don't came from. And yes, I eat everything that the locals eat wherever I go. Um, and I, I just enjoy it. And I, you know, you can, you can hear it in the music tracks, like a boy named Andrew, where I step way outside of the, you know, the realm of what I usually create in. And, you know, I, I put this like hypnotic chant mm-hmm. over this, uh, baseline that I sampled. And yeah, it's just, uh, it, you can hear it in the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you Absolutely. mentioned the album, please don't be dead. Uh, actually congratulations on the Grammy for it, obviously. And I know this was your second Grammy, your second time around. Uh, I'm curious. If, yeah, second album, second Grammy. Not well, bad, hitting two for two. <laughs> um, I know. I was just curious for you, like anywhere going to the Grammys the second time. Did it feel any different? Um, and what, did you did you sort of feel like a veteran at this point, or is there anyone you met that still starstruck you? Like, what was the second time around felt like for you? Well, I would say I love Buddy Guy. He won for the best blues album, and that always. That was amazing. I saw Charlie Wilson while I was there. There's two two greats I could think of right offhand. Well, the beauty of the first time was that I went and I won without a record label. Mm. I did it independently. And I think myself and Chance the Rapper, if I'm not mistaken, we may be the only two people who have ever pulled that off. Mm-hmm. So that was um, outstanding to do that. that. I really felt like that was for the people. I was like, man, this win... This is for the people. This is for every, you know, huge entity that always told you that you couldn't do something. And so I did love winning that first Grammy without a label was incredible. Mm-hmm. And now the second time around, I got like a partner and, that, and that's cool, you know, but I'm still, it's not, you know, the major label stuff that everybody has to go up against. And I definitely went up against all the majors to win these, um, <laughs> win these two Grammys. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so it was great just beating all the odds. Like, you know, people often were faced with this uh, entity and that, that has this repressed fantasy about how we should look, how we should sound, what our age should be, um, et cetera, et cetera. Like what color we should be and then what genre we should be in. And so it was a great victory to go up against a, a machine like that and just smash it mm-hmm. and to see them acknowledge uh, something that was going to be different and outside of the box. That was a great victory because it's not for me then, then it's for everybody, all what we call the small people, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I know you've been, you were, had a stint with Interscope. You've sort of been around for, for so many changes in the industry and everything. And now with this independent movement, oh, yeah. how do you, how do you feel, do you feel like it's trending in the right direction? And I know because there's a lot of like, sort of it's like the Wild West almost with Spotify and all these things, but it is give independent artists this freedom. So how do you feel for independent artists now? And what do you think moving forward um, it's going to be like, do you think well, this opens the door? I feel like it's amazing. I feel, I feel like it's incredible. It's amazing. All the big acts adjectives i think that um you know my story you know a guy who's a middle-aged guy and decides one day that he's going to go play at a train station and you know within four years wins tiny desk and two grammys i think that that is a that's huge for the whole movement of, of independent artists and um it's why i'm trying to start up a label here in um in the bay area now mm-hmm. right here in oakland so i think that stuff is huge and i think that as long as you're making great music you're in the right direction. And I think that's the direction it needs to be in. And that's the direction that it, that it should be in. And those things usually take care of themselves. So I don't really worry too much about that. I try to think about, okay, what am I doing? You know, mm-hmm. cause that's the big thing is what are, what are we doing? Because that's, I got control over this guy. I don't have control over all the other people. So, right. What's that like? You said you're starting your own label. Like where are you at with that? And what's that like going from artist to someone sort of behind the scenes in the world of an executive stance? Well, you know, since I do kind of, you know, I produce and write and produce my own records and put up, you know, money for the first one. So I kind of am very familiar. I'm not like an artist that goes and looks for a producer and it's under someone else's um, authority or someone else's vision. So I'm quite familiar. It's quite familiar to me. And my writing, you know, especially based on my history, it's just kind of all as they used to say, all over the place, you know, which would drive record executives crazy. But when you're an independent artist, wow, you can, you can do that. You can really do what you want to do and be 100% uh, honorable and truthful about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned going up sort of against the machine as an independent artist, but I am curious, like in hip-hop at least, there's this conflict between the Grammys and, and black artists and representation and diversity. Um, I'm curious for you as an artist how you feel a- about the Grammys and like sort of the good with the bad and what you think artists should be doing or can do to change it. Well, I think this, hey, number one, I don't even keep my Grammys. I mean, I get them, I pack them away, I don't even look at them. You can't really be thinking about the Grammys at all. If you're looking for validation, then, you know, that's the, that's problem number one. Mm-hmm. The Grammys was something that uh, happened, and that's amazing. It's great, but by no means do I, uh, you know, walk around like, oh, yeah, I got, I got Grammys, and I, I don't keep them. I don't look at them. It's great. You get acknowledged. You move on. The thing is, as an artist, is that what contribution are you making? And that's what we got to worry about. You can't worry about people, like, igno- acknowledging you know, what you're doing, like some type of validation. I don't, I think, okay. I think that that's, um, that's the wrong path. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that honesty has to be 
between you and that studio. Mm -hmm. That is what matters. That's the moment of truth right there. You know, when you're dropping the creativity and the art and the you know, this thing is very spiritual that we do. We can never forget that. And we have to remain tapped into that. And then you don't worry about it. I never worried about the Grammys or it just came to me and it was great. And I accepted it. And if it comes again, great. If it doesn't great, I'm either way. It doesn't define me. What uh, motivates me and defies me is quality of the workmanship. That is that's it. You're making music that there's a connective tissue with real human beings. Mm -hmm. I, I hope I hope that answers what you what you're asking. No, definitely, and I think it's important for artists to realize, especially with like social media, when everyone's sh showing what they're doing and achieving. I feel like for artists, it can feel almost like if I'm not getting these things, I'm not doing it right. Doing it right. So I'm curious for you. Like that's a pretty big lesson to learn as an artist and be, get that get comfortable with your own style and just you know the honesty. How did you How did you come to learn that, or was there a specific specific moment where that came to you and you were like okay this is this is why i'm doing it well i think it took a lifetime of failing and falling down and surviving a you know three-week coma with losing most of my right hand you know what i mean mm -hmm. um i think it took all those things you know it, was, it took a lifetime to get here so hopefully i in starting a label i can help with artists not take that lifetime that it took me to just finally be comfortable with who you are and just do it with the fury and passion of a hurricane. It took me quitting and becoming a marijuana farmer for five years. And I did, I did it all, man. You know, it's like my, my, my story is like in, in three parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You do have like a crazy story and to hear that. And I'm curious, it's crazy, yeah. <laughs> crazy. like to take a gap like that, what, what inspired you to get back to music and what was it like, trying to like was there rust you had to shake off of early like i, I creativity is not nah. a thing that you can just pick up so like how did you how did you get back into it because i was um number one i quit and i i uh because i didn't feel it anymore i felt like i didn't really have anything to say i didn't want to be thinking something so incredible as music so it's like time to stop and so i um I had a I had a kid as you can hear in the background. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me just let me try and redo this. Gonna, hey guys, you gotta go upstairs. Serious. Oh gosh, these kids. This, this is the part of being independent. Right? <laughs> Even if you're not independent, I don't think the kids. Care. <laughs> yeah, I got I got to take care of these kids. But yeah, I, that's what really brought me back is having child and um. I watched their reaction to music and I thought, wow, I'm missing something here. Like they, they, they were tuned into something I wasn't mm -hmm. tuned into anymore because I got caught up in, Oh, I want to be acknowledged. I want to be, no, I don't want to be famous. I want to blow up. I was on that. And so that made me walk away from it. But when I saw the child respond to it in its purest form, I thought, Oh, that's what it is. And so I learned, you know, that's what got me back into it slowly. It took a while, but and I started just walking down to the train station. I'm like, hey, I w you know, contribute this time. Mm -hmm. Stop looking to blow up. Stop looking to get something. Stop looking for validation. Stop looking for the, the car, the money, whatever you're looking for. You know what? Go contribute. And I found that when I was contributing and giving, that suddenly it all came back and it's come back with full force <laughs> that's really dope did you ever like i'm curious when you got back into it if sort of your 
your new vision or whatever. If, did you did you ever think it could go this far? Like you're 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 touring the world, um, you're doing everything like that. Did you ever envision it would get to this point, or were you not even thinking that far down the line? Well, I just didn't think. The thing is, when I I was like, you know what, this is. I was so in tuned with a a vibration that was happening that I thought, you know what, I'm, you're not looking for anything. You're giving it up. Something. Go give it up at that train station. Give it up at Colonial Donuts. Give it up on 25th and Broadway. Go give it up. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't looking, but I knew I was in something very powerful was behind me. I could feel it. And I was like, I was just going with it. So I knew, I knew that it was going to be very powerful. I never imagined all this stuff because I never, I just never thought about it. Like, you know, I want to do this. And I want, I took, I want out of my vocabulary and just put in, look, I want to contribute. I want to make great songs. That's awesome, and I um, I wanted to ask you about your process because we talked to a lot of hip hop and rapper and uh, producers and rappers, and I know sort of that process from making a, a rap song. But I never really had the chance to talk to someone with a, that full live band blues rock soul influence that you have. What's your What's your process like to to create an album with so many instruments and so many different elements? Well, I'm a you know I'm from the first generation of hip hop, so the funny part about that is that a lot of my influence comes from hip hop. The way that I do. I'll produce when I go into the studio, I do, I got live drums and I take, I take the best of the live drums. I play the bass, right? You know, or the, or with the bass player, I take the best of the bass and with the guitar, I take the best of all these elements and I, and I put them all together rather just my, my, my album is, is all loops, but it's just loops of uh, me playing stuff. You know, I'm looking for that sense of urgency and I love the repetitiveness and um, even singing, man, I'm trying to get something. I, I don't think I'm just really just go, okay, just sing it. You got to really, it has to, you have to embody the experience of the lyrics. The bass lines that I'm writing when I'm playing them, they come from my childhood, really, I, in my, the way I perceived all the local dope dealers and hustlers, like how they moved and how they walked and how they wore their jewelry. That's all my bass lines. Mm. All that stuff, you know what I mean? So it's all... That's what my creative process is. But a lot of it is related to the hip-hop process because it's just how I grew up with NPCs and mm-hmm. all that. So I, I, I'm into the world of looping and all that. And the guitar solos, I'll be rearranging them like on um, Cold November Street. That's a, you know, I kind of sampled each part of the different guitars to make a solo, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you- like on um, um, Plastic Hamburgers, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm using stomps claps i'm making kick drums out of the door i mean it's it's crazy does it so it sounds like you kind of start with the the sonics of it and the and the instrumentals and then do you write to those or do you have ideas for songs and try to make the match match the match the beat match the song versus like matching the song to well, the, the beat? thing is i just think of i think in melodies and i think in beats i think in riffs guitar riffs and that's they come in all different forms so i, I may start with a guitar riff. Mm-hmm. i may start with piano i may start with a voice and piano melody i may start with just beatboxing some a, a rhythm like in um a boy named andrew on the album please don't be dead on my album it's like it's i came with that with just like this hypnotic beat and i i imagine the bass line the way a bass player wouldn't even really play it but the way that i thought the bass would feel sonically to fill up space and then it came from this chant so it was a chant so it just it comes in so many different mm-hmm. ways. It's, it's very organic, and it happens. So mm-hmm. and it depends I, on the song. Each 
each rec, each one I could break down. You know, when I wrote a song about uh, Chris Cornell, guy I had torn toured with and he passed away was just acoustic guitar and melody. Mm-hmm. Simple. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the sort of the I love the acoustic section of like the few renditions of the songs on the end of the album. I'm curious about um, the decision to include those and sort of are those do you do you start with the full songs and then build back to the back to the acoustics or does it start as sort of like a sketch as an acoustic and then you build around that? Well, that particular one was a sketch on an acoustic and that's I don't have a specific rule for every they all different. It could be okay, I made a song, like say Plastic Hamburgers on the opener. Man, I made that beat years ago. Mm -hmm. I came up with that riff years ago. But then I didn't like what I had to have. So that was like kind of a beat. And I wrote kind of just lyrics and melody over a beat. See, that that happened that way. Then, like I said, the song Dark Windows, that happened acoustic and a melody. They all, none of them, sometimes you just imagine them. I wrote a letter to fear on a plane. I just imagined the chords, boom, 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 you know, and, and I was inspired by those shootings that happened like in the Texas church. I just kept hearing about shooting, 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 shooting. I'm like, man, like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Is this the new America? I mean, so that was very inspiring to be able to, to write to that. But I, like my production, I like to always feel like there's a sense of urgency. I don't, I love that feeling. Mm-hmm. That's crazy that Plastic Hamburgers was yeah. like years old and you just had the riff. Does that riff just sitting in your brain? Do you have it on a heart? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, just, I remember I wrote it, I recorded it maybe 10 years ago and just like, I have like a crazy library. Even my first song, Lost in a Crowd, that came from like beats I had a long time ago. I was just way, it was just way out to people. They're like, man, what is that? You know, so, but finally it just came full circle. Yeah, I have a lot of them, man. I got, the power of the riff, man. I love this whole album. I wrote off riffs, all riffs. I'm like, man, that's what brings people together. And I'm out of the show and I'm in Norway somewhere and nobody heard of me. Play that riff, play that blues riff in E. You got them. <laughs> they know what that is. And it doesn't matter what they are. If they're Christian, Jew, Muslim, straight, gay, whatever, white, black, they can relate to that blues riff in E that was brought to us from, you know, the diaspora, enslaved people, from Africa, you know, it, it's so deep. And when you can really get in tune with that, man, you, you're on your way. That's crazy. Is there a riff now that you have sort of like that's been playing in your brain that you sort of want to work with? You have one like in mind? Oh, I got like, I got about a hundred of them. So that's what I do. I just stop, break them down, go into studio. I record like a bunch of sketches and ideas. And I just, I like coming back to stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm actually about to work with a, uh, this group called Tank and the Bangers, actually. Yeah, definitely. About to work with them on some stuff. You know, like the two worlds, man. I'm hoping me and uh, E40 get to do some stuff. <laughs> I've done stuff with Mr. Fab already. So, I'm, I'm you know, I'm spreading it out there. Zion I, mm-hmm. people from the town, from Oakland. Yeah, we interviewed so him, actually. Work- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just was um in the studio with him like a couple months ago. And I'm trying to, trying to like make kind of the first Black Roots blues mixtape kind of fused with the stuff that I love. That's the power in being like, you know, not such a mainstream artist and being more independent, man. You, man, there's no excuse not to do anything um, experimental and right. different because what have you got to lose? Mm-hmm. Especially being from the Bay with all those artists who are doing such crazy stuff and have yeah. been for so long. That style is so unique. 
Uh, I have nothing to lose. (laughs) We'll let you get out of here soon, but I wanted to ask you, um, you're an independent venue week ambassador, and I'm curious what exactly that means. Like, what is an independent venue, and like, how can fans sort of know what an independent venue is and how to how to support those? I think it's one that's not controlled by the mob. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I think? We got to support independent independent um, venues. We got to support independent artists. We got to support small businesses. We have to support everything independent and get out of this uh corporatocracy you know what i mean mm-hmm. this corporatocracy it, it means supporting the local mom and pop people mm-hmm. you know that's how I, I i did it i was man you know f- five four and a half years ago man i was playing on the street you know what i mean and the small venues let me in you know eventually mm-hmm. the smaller ones you know what i mean and i still go back and play them Absolutely. Still go back and do it because you have to. I still go play 500 seaters. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll let you get out of here. That's that's my ba- that's my base. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important for artists when they do, you know, start to evolve and grow and get more fans to to give back to those original venues instead yep. of losing them in the dust. Is you got to give sort of pay it back. Yeah, like new, uh, I think Young Jeezy, he's also from the Bay. He just played like at the New Parish. Mm-hmm. That's and that's what you got to do. That's like kind of one of my go-to spots in Oakland. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll let you get out of here real soon. I got a few things coming. Um, first, I'm curious just for you, who's someone that influences your music or helps you out in the musical process that people wouldn't otherwise know? Well, that's why I call myself Fantastic Negrito. I made up that name because I thought every time someone asked me about that name, I could talk about Robert Johnson. It's someone I listen to exclusively. Man, and I still can't figure him out. I listen to him before I make any records. Skip mm-hmm. James, Colin Wolf, R.L. Burnside. I mean, these are the titans for me. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, while I was making the last days of open, man, I was um, went way, 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 way back, man, and reached into some, uh, even some hip-hop that I was, you know, it was so old, man, people don't even know what it is, like Super Rhyme, <laughs> stuff like that, that I grew up on in the 80s. And then I listened to some big, mainstream artists i think we're doing great stuff like kendrick but um yeah mostly for me it's like robert johnson that's my idol mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't know who he is and they should know and they should check out skip james robert johnson mississippi fred mcdowell our burnside Sunhouse, the real deal baby mm-hmm. for wow. me for me uh for me robert johnson was almost like an mc his lyrics were so gangster when he keep <laughs> when you just read them it's like damn Awesome. Well, I have a lot of homework to do when we get off this call. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and then lastly, good ones out <laughs> lastly, I'm just, you know, you mentioned you have the label coming up, you're touring the whole world. Um, just if you want to pack it up, like, what do you, what do you have coming up besides the tour? And what do you, are you working on music? What's sort of, where are you at right now? Well, like I said, where I'm right now, I'm like sketching ideas for this mixtape. Mm-hmm. I want to work on like the first, I don't think anyone's done that, like done like kind of a roots based mixtape. I'm working on that with a bunch of different artists that I named previously, and hopefully we'll all get together and be able to do it. Awesome. Cool. We'll let you get out of here. We got three random questions for you. First, you're stuck on an elevator. The person you would least like to be stuck on an elevator with and the person you would most like to be stuck on an elevator with. Hmm. I'd least likely to be stuck on an elevator with anyone who has hate in their heart towards living creatures. I'd least want to be on the elevator with them. 
And I, I'd most want to be on the elevator stuff with Nina Simone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then next up, yeah, weirdest thing you've seen at a live show. Weirdest thing I've seen at a live. Show. Well, I don't know if it was if it was weird, but just uh, in Norway, girls at the um, festival wanting their behinds signed <laughs> and telling me. I'm sorry that I have such big eyes. And I was like, uh, <laughs> you're tripping. I'm an African-American. You're tripping. <laughs> I don't know. That was, that was weird to me. I was like, we're in Norway, but it was in front of everybody. So <laughs> I think I've, it's, I've signed a few rear ends. I see. I don't know if that's just me, but I tend to be in St. Louis, Australia, but it's, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and they do it in front of everybody. Like a thousand people, they pull their pants down, they want me to sign it. I think the only weird thing about that is like, how would you be able to see it if it's on your own? <laughs> I, I, bro, I, maybe it's for someone else. You know? <laughs> Last one here. I, remember, I posted them. I posted them when I get them. <laughs> Last one here, your your go-to late night snack. Uh, it's probably, my go-to late night snack is stuff that I shouldn't be eating. So that's a whole list. It's usually uh, kid snacks. <laughs> that have sugar in them and I should not be eating that crap. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. And yeah, we're excited to see what happens with the mixtape. Good luck on tour. Hope you have a great experience. Hope you get a lot of new music out of it. All right. Thanks so much. You're locked into independent grind on dash radio. Tune in Monday, Wednesday and Friday, 12 PM Eastern for the latest hip hop news, music and interviews. Independent grind only on Dash Radio, baby. Tech 9!